0: Well, good, morning. good morning. That was a little bit better. Thank you, Impar. <laughs> That's good. I still don't understand. I don't know what you guys did and stuff. We're always kind of lopsided and everything. I'm just, you know, I think um there's an old um, kind of thought behind, like, the perfect church. The perfect church is where there's <coughs> only one row of seats, and as soon as it fills up, it moves all the way to the front, and then another row pops up, and then that moves up. But there's also a trap door under the pulpit, so as soon as the preacher at 12 o'clock is done and stuff, so no matter what. So. so I don't know. Maybe. Well, I think one day I'm just going to, like, leave the seats folded and just let you grab a seat and just sit wherever you want and just see what happens there. That would be kind of interesting. That'd be kind of fun fighting for your spot. Yeah, we're good. So, hey, uh, wow, it is the last Sunday of 2018. I can't believe how quickly this year has gone by. I don't know about for you, um, but it has just been a crazy, crazy year. Um, There have been a lot of trials, there's been a lot of joys, there's been a lot of different stuff that just happened change and transition it's been a huge transition year um, for us here at the church and 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 we're continuing through that transition and things are happening and and, and so this morning what I wanted to do is just take a little bit of time as I just kind of sat and thought about what am I going to preach about I know we're going to start a whole new series um starting next week. Um we finished Advent and so what what do you say because um one you know that a lot of our members are they're traveling, they're gone and stuff and so this is always kind of a low Sunday when it falls like this and and everything and 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 so how can I kind of capture where we've been but where we need to go? And, and it, it's been a struggle this week. I mean, I've just been praying through it and thinking through it, so so again, um, Hold on, because I'm not really sure what's coming out of my mouth this morning, as almost every Sunday. So um, it, it's going to be very interesting. But it, it's the idea of us getting back to just love. The, this idea, the, that love that, that we've had for our church, that we love that we've had for our community, and for people, and just kind of getting back to that. Because I think with the craziness of this year, that f- so many of us may have started taking that for granted. Of of what that was. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 2. And we actually, at the beginning of the year, we preached through all these churches in Revelation. And I just wanted to kind of step back um, to, to one of them. But in Revelation chapter 2, um, verses 1 through 5, if you don't have a Bible, we have them available. If you use an electronic device, you can see on there we have Wi-Fi, GBC, guests. Just type in find more and you can follow along there. But as always and forever, um, these are the only words that matter once again. That's the only reason I get to preach. It's the only reason we get to be a church. And so out of respect for that, out of the authority of that, um, I'm going to ask if you will just stand for me as we read Revelation chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And it says, write to the angel of the church in Ephesus, thus says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, and your endurance. And that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. And you have found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardship for the sake of my name. And have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent. Let's pray. God I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for this past year, for all that you have brought us through, God, and and all the things that you have sustained us through, Father, and we just are so in awe and humbled by your faithfulness. God, I thank you for the opportunity just to gather again. God, in the middle of holidays, in the middle of all the family stuff and, and all the things that are going on, Father, I just ask that right now you would just settle our hearts. God, that you would just calm our minds. And that, Father, you would speak. God, let these be your words, not mine. God, let your heart be known today for us as a people, as a church, for a community. God, I just pray you would hide me. That you would move in power and in passion in our lives. Father, I thank you that you knew every single person that would be here this morning. Father, you know every need every decision, everything that's going on in our lives right now, Father. And so we ask that you would meet us there. And that, God, we would be different because we were in your presence. That we would be changed because we were here today with your people in your presence. So, God, we ask for ears to hear, for hearts to respond. God, we ask for revival. We ask for an awakening, God. We ask for a move of you that only you could get credit for. And may you get all the glory and all the honor. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So probably at face value, just hearing, uh, you know, I'm reading out of these churches, and we know that most of the churches in Revelation they speak of, that not good things are happening. And so at face value, you probably may be sitting there going, well, Okay, well, it's the new year. I was hoping for a happy message and promise you it will be a happy message. It is a good message. But but the truth is, is that when when trials and struggles come along and things are happening in our lives, it's so easy to get caught up in in all that. It's so easy, especially I don't know about you, but for me, at the end of the year, I always Um, self-evaluate. I am my worst critic of all time and i'm the one that like i'm the hardest on myself and just thinking about like where where for us there's a church where we've been where we're going and, and so i got kind of i get kind of reflective at the end of the year you know, some of you may just like oh it's a new year cool let's go <laughs> i'm ready for new year's eve that's not me. I, I just really kind of reflect. And so always at the end of the year, I'm thinking back, like, okay, what have we gone through and, and where, where we need to go and, and, and what's happened? And I remember the journey that we've been on. And if you've been around it all with us for all, um, you know, we're still a baby. We're, we're only three years old as a church. Um, this is our third year in this building, and, and we've seen God do miraculous things, and we've also faced, like, struggles and all this stuff. And, and it's so easy to get caught up in the work. And get caught up in in what needs to happen and what our plans and our strategies for our lives and and, and all that stuff that we forget why. And and I want to remind you this morning why we do it. I I, want to remind you that there was a moment in each of our lives that if you've made a decision to follow Christ, there was a moment where it became so real to you. That it didn't matter what anything else was going on. It just—it was overwhelming. You felt that love. You felt that excitement. That change. That transformation. And I just want to remind us, this morning, of what that looks like, because I think that's the basis. Because if we can't—if we can't sit here and go, "This is why we do this. This is why we show up week after week. This is why we keep struggling and keep pushing forward and keep pressing on," we lose the hope. We we lose the energy. And for so many of us, I believe in this world, maybe not in this church, or maybe today, but I guarantee you, all through this community today, there are people asking, "Is it worth it? Do do I step out one more day for it?" And so, this morning, I just want to start with the idea. I just, I just want you to remember. I, I want you to think back to that moment when everything changed for you. For for those of us married, think about that moment when she said yes or he said yes. You know, depending on who was stronger. Um, Think about that moment where, where like just love overwhelmed you for, for those of you who've been on mission trips or you've been at some camp or you've been to some conference and you just felt God's presence so strong, so powerful, just overwhelming you. And you're just like, man, I know there's a God and there's nothing that's impossible. And it's amazing. I want you to remember that because I think that's what happened to Ephesus, that they forgot They got so busy in the mechanics of being a Christian. They got so busy in the mechanics of being a church that they were still doing good things and they were standing for truth and they were doing all that stuff. But they forgot that. I mean, if you look back, look back at at, at Revelation 2. Look at verse 2. He says, I know your works, your labor and your endurance and that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and you have found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardships for the sake of my name. And have not grown weary. And and so there's good stuff happening. And and listen, I think it's good to be busy. I think it's good to be working and that we should be serving God and we should be giving our heart. But the problem is, is that it becomes so mechanical sometimes. The problem is it becomes just something I do that we forget why we do it. We forget why we sacrifice. We forget why we, we step out. And, why, and it just becomes something I do. It becomes a habit. I go to church because I'm, I'm supposed to go to church. And then I sing songs and, and I give some tithes and offering. And, and then I leave. And then I wonder, is my life any better because I was here or I'm involved? And I think that's what was happening in Ephesus. And that's why I think Jesus says to him, he says, but I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. And so this morning, again, I just want you to remember. Remember the moment you said yes. Remember the moment that God said, hey, I want you to do something that looks totally impossible to you, crazy to you. And I want you just to step out there and just trust. And God just showed up. Because I think if we grasp that and we understand that, then 2019 is going to be an amazing year. See, I can be honest with you this morning, and I'm always pretty honest with you, that I struggle with the fact that I'm an old Army guy. I'm an old Army sergeant. It's very, very simple. The Army was very simple for me. I love it. That's kind of why I like security at Universal, because there's a task, there's a, there's a, there's a condition, and there's a standard. And I, kinda, I actually walk through my faith kind of like that. Here's the task, to know God, to make him known. That's the task. That's what we've got to do. Here's the conditions. We live in a community that really doesn't want to know God. We live in a community that's struggling, and churches struggle here, and it's hard here. And here's the conditions. But here's the standard. Lives are changed fruit is born and stuff. And so when I sit and I like like okay, what's the fruit? And and for me a lot of times that's I'm being honest with you it's like okay, where are all the people and why aren't we like we're 3 years old. We should have a thousand people in a large sanctuary and sending missionaries and planted like nine churches by now. I'm yeah, I'm a big dreamer. I know that's probably not realistic. But when we get so caught up in like here's what we do and here's what I have to do and I okay, we've got to get this done, get that. And we forget why. We forget the love, that first call. Because I remember, let me tell you something, I remember that day, almost four or five years ago, when I just sat there and said, God, I know you're pulling me out of youth ministry, and there's something that you want me to do. There's something that that you've just placed on my heart. And moving down here when there was no other place to move, and just realizing, man, we need churches, and we're going to plan a church, and we're going to do that. And I remember just that overwhelming Excitement with that. Do you remember that moment that you fell in love with God? When the faith became real. You know, I love that in youth ministry because you could see it in a kid's eyes. When all of a sudden that faith was no longer mom and dad's faith or anybody, but it just clicked the light on and they're just like, oh, I own this. This is mine. I am his and he is mine. I mean, that moment. Man, if you don't hear anything else, if you just tune me out for the rest of the morning, I just, I beg, I pray that, man, you remember that moment. I think God gives us those moments. They're, they're benchmark moments. That's, that's why I was always big about short-term missions and, and things, to have moments in our life where we could go back and say, man, I remember what it feels like just to be in love with Jesus and not caring what else was going to happen. Because I think that's what we need to get back to, each of us. We need to get back to that. And when that happens, man, I think everything changes for this community, for this world. Everything changes. And, and so, so just a couple of things this morning. Not an awful lot of notes. I know sometimes I like to give you bullet points and stuff. I almost didn't put anything on there, but I would get sidetracked really fast. So I had to put a few things or we'd be in all kinds of different rabbit trails. But the very first thing I want us to remember is like who we love. Who is it that we're in love with? And it's very simple. Romans 5, 8, but God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We love a God that loved us so much that when we were his enemy, when we were against him, when we said, I don't want anything to do with you, I don't want to have anything to hear from you, I'm just going to do it my way, that even when we said, we don't even acknowledge you, he sent his son to die for us. We love a God That we can't even comprehend how big, how huge, how awesome, how amazing he is. And for so many of us, I think we have made God so small in our lives. We've made him something we can describe or something we can kind of manage and everything. You know, so many Christians, so many followers of Christ today in so many churches. We want to serve a God and follow God that we can manage. Can I tell you something? That is not a God worth your time, worth your life, worth anything. I mean, uh, uh, just think about this. What is worth you giving your life right now? What is it in your life that you say, I would give it all up for this? I mean, that's that's the God we love. So huge. So amazing. So when we had nothing to do with him, still loved us enough to send a son i mean that is the story of christmas we're finishing christmas and i love that opening video i hope you got a chance to kind of see that that the work of christmas begins now that the the manger all that stuff lights it's all it's all done the work of christmas is the work that leads to easter leads to a cross and leads to an empty tomb. that work begins right now because there's a god that loved us so much A love that we can't even probably comprehend or get close to. So that's who we love. But why do we love? Very, very simple. 1 John 14, 419. We love because he first loved us. We are incapable of loving this God, this creator, until he first loved us, until he first... drew us to him. See, I actually believe that we can't actually love each other properly. I don't think we can love other people properly or spouses or family members or anything until we understand how much we are loved by God. I, I think we can, we can give like shadows of it. We can give kind of little, little inferences of love with that but without truly knowing the love of God in us, we can't love the way we are supposed to and created to love. We, we can phileo love. We can have brotherly love. But man, that ultimate, the agape, the unconditional, unwarranted, unfavored, undeserving love that this world so desperately needs, we, we can't until we understand his love for us. We can love God because he loved us first. Do you understand that this morning? Do you remember that it was him, it was God himself, it was Jesus that came and made the step towards us? We did nothing to earn his favor. We did nothing to earn his, his love or his blessing or anything. We did nothing. It was him that instigated and sustained it and did all of it. You know, I've said this before. When we come to the table of God, when we come to him and we say, we have nothing that we can offer him. It is all from him. And so the love we feel for him and the love we feel for others is because he first loved us. That's why we love That's why we're able to love the people that annoy us and are hard to us or even our enemies. We can love because he loved us. We can love God because he loved us. That's why. Now, the question is, is, okay? this is who we love. This is why we love. And how do we love? How are we supposed to love? How do we get back to this? And, And Jesus said it very, very simply. Turn over in your Bibles to Mark 12. In, in Mark 12, Jesus asked the question, what's the most important commandment and everything? And, and, and so here's this. And, and he, he answered with um, the Shema. It was, it was kind of a greeting they had for each other. But it had so much more meaning. And, and in verse 29, let's start there. He says, the most important is, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment, great, command greater than these. We're told how we're supposed to love. We're told how we're supposed to love God and, and, and to experience the fullness of this. And so we know who we love and why we love, but how we love, it starts to begin with, with with the heart. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. The heart in, in, in Greek and in the New Testament, even in the Old Testament, that was, that was really who you were. That was the foundation of your life. Your heart was the center of your being. And, and so my question for us this morning is the faith, is my faith, is my trust in Jesus, my understanding of what he's done for me, the, the salvation? experience i've had the life he's given me is that is is that the foundation of my life is that the thing that identifies me and defines me is that the very foundation the core of who i am because so often (coughs) i think we experience that and we get glimpses of that but so often we take it for granted of all that Christ has done for us, all that Christ does for us, continues to do for us, all the promises, all the blessing, all the, all the power, all the joy, all the peace, all the fruit that he promises is like, this is for you. The very foundation of my life is my faith that I am a sinner and I have a great Savior. And I have been changed because of that. With my heart, is it the very foundation? Because I believe in our world today, especially in our culture, we're getting more and more to the point where we're trying to make everything else a foundation. My foundation is my job or my family or my success or my bank account or my retirement or this or that. And that becomes the foundation. The problem is that is building a house on sand. And if you remember the story, when the winds come and the storm and the water rises, (coughs) that house falls and great is its fall. But blessed is the man who builds his foundation on the rock, on my faith. It's the one thing that's never going to change. Your jobs, your friends, your family, everything, it's going to change. Where you live, it's going to change. We, we are the most transient culture, transient generation that we, we have ever seen. So back in the day, you know, back in the day when my dad, the West Virginia hillbilly and stuff grew up, like you got a career, you got a job, you stayed with it for like 30, 40 years, you retired, you stayed in the same town, that was it. Now it's like every like five to ten years, people change entire careers. We just pick up and move because we have Facebook, so it doesn't matter how close we live because you're my friend, poke you. (laughs) (laughs) We can stay connected, we can do all that. And so we live in transit, and so in a world that is always transitioning, isn't it good to know that there's a foundation that never changes? That is God. He is the same today, tomorrow, forever nothing changes with him. Is that your foundation as you step into this new year? Is that become who every who you are? but not only that he says love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul your soul man that's that's who that's your personality that that's who comes out can i ask you something does your faith define you Is faith the thing that defines how you react or how you act or the things that you do? Is your faith the thing? Is your belief in a God that loves you and your love for God? Is that the thing that defines you? That when people look at you and say, he he does this, he does that. But man, I see faith in that person. Because that's what we're commanded to do. And I love the video we showed because it's not an option. This is the command: to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Is that the thing that defines you? When people look at you, is that what they see—the very soul? But not only that, with the soul, it, it goes on with all with all your with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. When the storms come, when transition comes, when change comes, when when things aren't working out the way you expect them to work out, what's the first thing you think of? I can tell you more often, I'm a worry worrywart. And, and so I know transitions and things that are coming and, and the things that God are changing in this church in the coming year and, and in my life and everything. And the first thing I think, I'm like, wow, is this going to be enough? Is this going to be enough? Is this going to be enough? But if I remember my first love, the very first thing I wor- think about is Jesus. That we have a God that is sovereign and in control and nothing ever takes Him by surprise. And so it doesn't matter what the world brings. That my thought process starts with Jesus. It seems so often that our thought process ends with him. Well, I've done everything else, so I might as well pray. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> I mean, that's just, we, we have the ability to tap into the God of the universe. The God that literally said, stars, you know, sun, earth. By the way, it is this little tangent. It's so cool. Read the creation story. I challenge you to do because God spoke everything to existence, but with you and me, he got his hands dirty. It said God molded us with his own hands and breathed his own breath into us. Why wouldn't that be the first thing we think of? And I got to I'm preaching to me this morning. You may be sitting there going like, "I'm all good." It says I'm I'm already under conviction right now. So, <laughs> I may stop and just pray right now. <laughs> Because it's not, but that's what we're called to do, to love. You want to go back to that first love, to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. And by the way, our faith is not just some stupid faith. It makes sense. I hate that these people that think they're so smart get up and says, well, they're just ignorant like followers of Jesus because they don't make any sense at all and they're just not smart enough to trust anything else. Really? My faith makes sense because if you ask me the hard questions in life, why is there death, why, you know, what happens when we die, all those things, I can answer all of them. You ask one of those people out there that are science and know all this logic and everything, they can't answer any of it. My faith answers all the tough questions, and it makes sense to me. That's why for a long time we've spent a lot of time on apologetics, saying, listen, this makes sense, there's proof, we can look at it, it's just a different perspective. I can have the same conversation with someone that's an evolutionist and say, that's great what you believe, but I believe in creation. Here's why. And I'll look at the same evidence, but I'll look at it from the lens that faith comes. It's not a stupid faith. It makes sense. I mean, just think about this for a moment. Every other faith on this planet is based on what you do, how good you are, how does my good outweigh my bad? How many people are living on this world just trying to understand like, oh, I hope I hope I've done enough good. My faith says I don't have to be good enough because Jesus was because I'm saved by grace, not by works. So I never boast. It is a gift from God. Our faith makes sense. And so it should be the first thing we think of. It should be the thing that we go to. And then finally. Finally, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That just simply means that I live my faith out. That my actions... My speech, the things that I do reflect that I am a person of faith, that I'm a person in love of God, that I put forth my energy. I put forth my resources. I put forth everything that God's given me for his glory and for his kingdom, because it's the only one that's going to last that I that's where my focus is. That's where my energy. That's where all that I do comes out and looks like that. It is me living out my faith. And the problem is, is so many of us have made our faith something that I just kind of hold in and, and and I just like this is mine and it's private and everything. And nowhere in scripture does it ever says to be private. In fact, everywhere in scripture it says go and tell the world, go make disciples, go feed the hungry, go go help the poor, be with widows, be with orphans. There are actions combined with it. There's This love is not something that I just feel. It is something I do. And when I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, that my life should be reflected in the way I act and the way I live. That's what we need to get back to. And, and in the very end of it, you want proof of it. You want to see actual, say, someone, that's a follower of Christ. That's someone did. It is reflected in the very same thing that Jesus said in the last. He said the second is love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other command greater than these. When I love God because I'm loved by him, when I'm living that love, then I can't help but to love people. And When I'm loving people, it is a proof that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And the problem is, is we need a lot more Christians. We need a lot more people that claim to follow Jesus to start looking like Jesus and loving people. And I don't care what their background is. I don't care what their beliefs is. I don't care. It doesn't say any of that stuff. I don't care if they like me. I don't care if they're nice to me. I am called and commanded to love them. And that is the proof that I am a follower of Christ. That's what Jesus says. They will know my disciples by the way they love one another. When I remember this love, when I remember what it felt like to experience that, how can I not want someone else to experience that? When I remember the peace and the joy and the hope and the and the love and all that God brings to me, how can I not want someone else to feel that, to experience that, to grow in that? We cannot claim we love God if we are not loving our neighbors. It doesn't work. We get back to love. We get back to love, and for us, man, it, it, it's very very simple. There there are four things. And I'm going to close it that I just I've I'm, I probably say this every single year. I probably say it every single sermon. But there are four things that I think are going to grow this church. They're going to grow us that are going to remind us that we love him, that we're loved by him, that we are placed in this community at this point, at this time, because there is a community out there that desperately needs to know that there are four things that we're going to do. And the very first thing is prayer. Listen, this church started because people prayed. This church thrived because people prayed. This church happened. We're in this building because people walked around neighborhoods and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed for their neighbors and they prayed for the community and they prayed for the leadership of this church. Without prayer, all of this is for nothing because I can't do it. I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability. I don't have the wits. I don't have the smarts. I don't have any of it that makes this church happen if we're not praying. We, we have to get back to prayer. And so we're going we're gonna to restart just our prayer time on Sunday nights. We're getting together and praying. And yes, we're going to go through Revelation. We're going to finish it, I promise you. But we're going to add prayer into that. So we went halfway through Revelation. People are like, when are we going to finish? I'm like, it's coming. Or it may just happen and we won't have to finish it at all. <laughs> it's getting a little crazy out there. But, but we're going to pray. I'm rebooting. We had a, a, a program here called Bless Every Home. Where you got the names of your neighbors around you where you could pray and then hopefully meet them and have a conversation and serve them. and everything. I'm erasing everyone that was on that and we're going to start fresh. Where you're going to get a list and we're going to start praying people. And as long as, as long as we can pay rent, we don't need lights and stuff. If we don't have anything else, we're going to pray for people. I, I don't care. We're going to continue to pray because that's what's going to change lives in this community. It's not strategies or programs that grow a church or changes the community. it is God's spirit and God's power and His presence. and the best way to get that is when we pray. And so we're going to pray. We're not only going to pray, man we are going to look at our friends. I'm going to tell you something once again. Our growth strategy is very simple. You share the gospel. You look at your friends. you look at this community and say where there are needs. I think mean, one of the best things we've done in a long time was this past Christmas, we did two great things. We had a clothes drive that we handed out clothes. To we may never see those people again, but they know there's a God that loves them. And there's a church that represents that God, and we're going to continue to do that. We showed, up at a, we showed up at a hospital and walked around and sang Christmas carols to people that weren't going to experience Christmas. And we saw people that were so blessed and so we're going to outreach and we're going to share the love of God But we can't do it just as church. Every individual has to make a commitment. This is the year that I'm going to open up my mouth and I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. And can I tell you, no pressure. You're not going to save anybody. You're not going to convince anybody. That's the Holy Spirit's job. You just have to tell your story. That's all. And I believe with all my heart, if we're telling stories, if we're handing out Jesus DVDs, if we're going to do that. They may never come here. We may never be a large church, but we will plant seeds that we will not know until eternity of what happens. You know, we've handed out almost 2,000 Jesus DVDs over the last two years. And those people aren't here. And I don't know if they're going to church. I don't know anything. But I know that they, if they sat down and watched it one time, they heard about Jesus. They experienced who Jesus was. And I know that God can take that and change lives. And so we are going to continue. Our outreach, our growth plan is you. We don't have the big facility and lasers and all that really cool stuff and, and stuff and, and, and like the band that's for David Crowder's not going to come in here and lead worship for us. I've asked him. He said no. <laughs> that's our plan, outreach. And then, man, we're going to love each other and we're going to love our neighbors. And we've started this and we're going to break back into it. We're going to have home groups. This is my prayer. And I don't know how it's going to happen, And I don't know how God's going to raise up people. But my prayer is that every single neighborhood in this area. And I've got a list of them. I think it's back on the thing. I've listed every neighborhood. I messed up on one neighborhood. I thought you guys lived in a different neighborhood. So you're in there already. But my prayer is that one family. In every neighborhood that God raises up and they start a home group. In every subdivision. In every apartment complex. That there's some kind of home group. That there's some kind of Bible study that's reaching out to their neighbors. And we're going to do that because I think to grow bigger, we have to keep growing smaller. I think people will enter your homes faster than they'll show up here on a Sunday morning. And they'll hear about Jesus because you're going to lead them. You will become pastors of small home churches all through this community. That's my prayer. And we're going to focus on that. And we're going to do that. And then finally, and I believe with all my heart, that families are the most important thing. And we are inundated with kids around here. I want to see children's ministry happen. And not just not Sunday mornings. I want to see us to start a a kids club that meets like on a Wednesday night when all our home groups are meeting. I want to see. But that's going to take volunteers. That's going to take teenagers. And if you're a teenager, if you are young, you know a teenager, they say, well, I'd like to be involved in some type of ministry. Here it is. I want our teens to help run our children's ministry. So they're experiencing their faith because they're living out their faith. They're mentoring the little kids and they're telling them about Jesus. And I think that will grow into a youth ministry eventually. Or we will just start with like five-year-olds, and we'll wait till they're 13, and we'll start a youth ministry there. I don't care, but we are going to pay attention to the families in this community because we have a ton of kids around here. We have one school that is packed to the rim with elementary kids, and they need to hear about Jesus, and they need to know there's hope for them, and the families need to know there's someone that cares. And so my prayer is that you just get that starts burning in your heart saying, man, I want to be part of that team and to see that happen. That's it. That's this year. It's not some grand, like I don't have fancy words and like some fancy slogan. It's very simple. We're getting back to love. Prayer, outreach, and evangelism, home groups, and children's ministry. That's our focus. And I think that will change this community. And it doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're going to explode and have a new building and all stuff. I would love that, but I care more about that happening than this happening. Because we live in a community that desperately needs Jesus. We live in a community that has hopelessness. The families are struggling. They're just wondering if they're going to make it one more month. And they're looking at 2019 with fear. I think we can be a place that makes it look hopeful. Because there's a God that we love. But to do that, we have to remember that first love. we got to fall back in love with Jesus like never before. I love it. R.C. Sproul passed away, I think, last year. Modern theologian, brilliant mind. He says this. He says, in the New Testament, love is more of a verb than a noun. It has more to do with acting than with Feeling. The call to love is not so much a call to a certain state of feeling as it is to a quality of action. If you are a person that claims to know God, to love God, show it. I want to see it. I'm not from Missouri, but this church has become the show me state. There's a world out there that wants To see what love actually looks like. And we are people called and commanded to live that way. Church, it's time to get back to love. It's time to get back to why we even started this. Why we're even here this morning. Why we get up and we sing and we study or we go to some home groups. It's time to get back to that. And that love is a love that will transform everything. Everything in this community, I believe it with all my heart. We have so many transitions happening over the next couple of weeks in this church, and we're going to need people to step up. You know, there's there's a great verse in Matthew. Jesus looks out and he sees the community, he sees the world, and he says, "Man, the harvest is plentiful; it is ripe unto harvest. Look at this; it is ready to be harvested. But pray to the Lord of the harvests." harvest because the labors are few that he will raise up workers I pray that you will join me in praying God would you raise up workers because the harvest is ready because you know what happens when a harvest isn't harvested it rots and it is my heart and my feeling that for too long we have let the harvest just kind of sit there and die and rot It's time to start harvesting. And we do that when we get back to love. Who, why, how we get back to that love. It will change everything. Let's pray.